Welcome into the Sports Objective, a very special show, as they all are, but this is a, we have one of our favorites getting ready to come on. In the second half of our show, we'll have the play-by-play voice of the Georgia Southern baseball team, and Danny Reed will be there with us. Uh, Pirates have a big matchup coming up this weekend. We'll see how their 4-0 start, easy for me to say, and they're on the road to the first contest. We're looking forward to that, but with us right now, one of my all-time favorites, an honor to have him back on the show play-by-play voice of the Atlanta Hawks and many other things, Bob Rathburn. Hi, how are you, Bob? I'm outstanding. How are you, sir? Good to be back with you, Dave. Yeah, absolutely. Good to talk. I tell you what, I'm just happy that we're having you back on, and it's more than just talking life. We can actually talk sports. Exactly. Uh, Basketball is at its uh, best time of the year. NCAA tournament right around the corner. Uh, NBA is uh, coming up on the halfway point, all-star game here in Atlanta. Uh, on March 7th. So this is a pretty exciting time. Well, that's a nice segue. That was one of the things I was going to ask you about. Maybe we can start there because I know you can talk about a lot of different sports, but uh, with, with the NBA, there was some controversy of people saying they shouldn't have the all-star game. I'm in favor of it. And especially knowing that you were going to, you know, it's your city there with Atlanta, um, love Atlanta, love the ATL. And um, I don't think people, first of all, I'll just say this. I don't think people understand the economic impact, even if it's limited fans, if you say, oh, we're just not going to have, ask Charlotte about that. When we had the political issue we're not going to get into a couple of years ago. They they lost that money for that year because they moved it away to New Orleans. And uh, with you guys, I felt for, I thought about you and thought about the folks in Atlanta were like, hey, uh, I know that uh, we have this COVID thing going on, but we still need to have the ball game. We still need to have the all-star, whatever kind of weekend we can have and be safe. It is a worldwide event, and uh, I think people underestimate the impact the NBA has in basketball around the world. This is the most popular event that the NBA stages, uh, much more so than the finals, the playoffs, anything like that. This will get views of close to 2 billion people uh, through all types of media around the world. So nothing could top, top that, and uh, the league was reluctant to give that up. Um a lot of people had questioned, as you mentioned, the the reason to have it in the middle of a pandemic, but that doesn't bother me because the safety precautions that we're taking as a league uh, will protect these players through the weekend. No, It will be no different than a regular season game or a playoff game in the bubble. Uh, there are no parties. There are no get-togethers. There's nothing to do other than fly in here on Saturday night and uh, go to the hotel and leave the hotel and play the game or be in the skills competition or the dunk contest and get on a plane and leave. That's going to be the extent of All-Star Weekend. But it's it's for the fans around the world. 99% of the people who love NBA basketball never get to see a game in person. Uh, they view it through television. They experience it through social media. And if we can keep it going for them in times like these, then I'm all for it. Well, like I said, it's not like it's a huge spreader. We're going to have a full arena and all, like you said, it's not having the activities like you normally, can you give, uh, for those of us that only, we only get to watch the games on television, like you said, uh, can you give us a thumbnail sketch of maybe what people would, a normal uh, NBA uh, all-star weekend would be like? Well, it's a big deal. It's a, it's, uh, it's something the league uh, runs uh, and it's a place for the community of basketball uh, to come together. Not only do you have the players, the the uh, the players that are involved in the Rising Stars game, the uh, slam dunk people, the skills competition, all of that coming together, but the corporate world celebrates uh, the NBA All-Star Weekend like no other weekend because when you get to the playoffs, you're never quite sure where you're going to be. Uh, right. So those things come together uh, at a very late hour. Uh, once they've determined who's in the finals. But we know years ahead where All-Star Weekend is going to be. And the planning that goes into it, uh, the network TV partners, the sponsors, uh, everybody that's connected to the NBA in a business and entertainment way has a weekend to celebrate uh, professional basketball. And there's all kinds of festivities and parties. There are tremendous community outreach programs that the NBA puts on uh, where they will go in and construct basketball courts and and refurbish our, uh, uh, like play centers and learning centers and all this stuff. So it's a really big to do. And the host city really does get a lot of attention and a lot of good 
uh, is done for the community while the NBA is is in town for the All-Star break. Um, it's quite a weekend. If you've never experienced it, uh, there's a big fan convention, uh, you know, with the uh, like if it were here a regular year in Atlanta, the World Congress Center would have would be full of things for fans to do, you know, the pop a shot and the, all the, all the games and all the, the, uh, the t-shirts and the, you know, everything that you can imagine, uh, would be going on over there. And then you'd have the game at, uh, state farm arena. Maybe the game would be at Mercedes Benz, you know, because you could put 70,000 in there to see an NBA all-star game. So it would be a very festive, uh, weekend, nonstop, no rest, no sleep parties around the clock. It's just great. It really is. And and the fact that I'm glad that we are having the all-star game and uh, that's uh, great. Speaking of uh, having events uh, like the March Madness, well, I want to get your take on that because it's uh, been something that I told people, I said, there's no way in the world you could, you can add a lot of coaches, including coach gay. You have, can't have two years in a row without the hindsight is 2020. I thought last year, Bob, they should do it without fans, but who am I? I'm just some guy in Williamston, North Carolina, in the eastern part of the state. So, uh, But I really thought fans only – I mean, no fans, excuse me, play the game so they could still get the revenue. They didn't do it. I know that hindsight is twenty twenty, and we didn't know at that time a year ago almost uh, what it was going on. But mm-hmm. um, how do you feel about this year having a, a semi – not what you guys had with NBA, but it's, it's like a kind of like a bubble – and Indianapolis, not quite the same, but still better than, than not doing it this way. Yeah. Well, they have to have it. You know, I bristled David people who say, well, they're just doing it for the money. Well, guess what? That's what everybody does. (laughs) You know, we're trying to get through an economic calamity with this thing. And sports is a, you know, multi-billion dollar industry in this country. And for the NCAA, this is their lifeline. This is what funds all the other championships, you know, there would not be a women's basketball championship. There would not be softball. There would not be baseball without the NCAA basketball tournament and the money that the men's tournament uh, generates. So this is a good thing. Uh, The network partners are on board. They're going to Indianapolis. The entire tournament will be staged in the state. Uh, Eventually they'll get back to Indy once they get to the sweet 16, but games are going to be played all over at IU and Purdue and what have you. And throughout the city of Indianapolis to get this tournament going, I, I haven't read it yet. So don't hold me to this, but I believe that the NCA said today, they're going to pick like four additional teams to be in the field on standby in case a team cannot make it. So they'll wow. pick 68 and they're going to have four standing by. And if a club, if a team cannot make COVID protocol uh, in time to go into the bubble in Indianapolis, they're out. Team 69, Team 70, Team 71, Team 72 goes in. So I think that is a very wise decision. The show must go on. That's a good way to keep – because you don't want forfeits. You don't want teams to advance on a forfeit. You want them to play the game. So I think they've got a great plan. I think they're going to pull it off. It's going to be great. It's going to be exciting. A little different timetable with the way the games are going to play. be played. That's a little different for us. But by the time we get to the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight, Final Four championship game, we'll be right on that schedule that we're so used to, and we'll crown a champion. No doubt, Bob, and for the fact of uh, – we'll talk about them ever, but uh, Robert Matthews chimes in, one of our viewers and listeners. Bob, I remember you from the Tidewater, uh, Tidewater Tide stays. Oh, thank my you. My favorite announcer of all time. So, oh, Robert thanks. Chimes in. Thank you. Yeah, those were fun times. I enjoyed my time. I worked in Norfolk, Virginia for 14 years, and uh, the, doing the Tides games was a lot of fun. Boy, we saw a lot of great players come through. No doubt. And uh, now they're triple A of Baltimore, the Orioles. Yes. Yes. Uh, with the Norfolk Tides now. So uh, good stuff there. Bob is, uh, we're talking about the NBA with uh, with all that. Is there a, is there a professional team or organization like the NBA, NHL? Uh, which one do you think did the best job as far as uh, when it comes to protocols with COVID? Do you think you guys seem to, with NBA, the reason I bring that up is, man, uh, the NBA did a fabulous job to finish. It, it was uh, what I call making lemonade, right? You had lemons, you make lemonade out of the season. I thought the NBA did uh, in the bubble in Orlando last fall uh, the the best job because they've got the money to spend, Dave. I mean, this is 
this is very expensive. I mean, our players to this day are getting tested twice a day. Um, this gets very expensive. And, you know, they have been willing to do this to keep their enterprise afloat. Uh, I think our players have done an outstanding job. Uh, you can't imagine how boring it must be uh, for these guys. When they travel, they, uh, they get to the plane, they get on the plane, they have to wear a mask, they can't be served a hot meal. Uh, they go to the hotel, they get off the bus, they go in a side door, up a freight elevator to their room where their food is delivered. They stay in their room until it's time to go to practice the next day. And that process just gets repeated for every road game. There's no, you can't even go to the lobby to get a cup of coffee. I mean, there's no, no contact with the public whatsoever. Plus you're getting tested twice a day. Uh, and for that, we have very, very few uh, returns of positive tests. I think last week of, of the 490 players that they're testing, uh, we had two positives and that's, wow. uh, that's amazing. Uh, as contagious as this thing is. And a lot of that is not that they've tested positive for COVID, but they're, they're in contact tracing, uh, and that will hold them out. So we've been very, very fortunate, but unlike college basketball, uh, these guys have the money and the wherewithal to pull this off, just like the NFL, just like the National Hockey League, and just like baseball will. Uh, when you get to college athletics, it's a way different story. You know, uh, they don't have the resources, and the, the big schools do, but even they don't test twice a day. Uh, they're testing maybe five times a week. Uh, some of the smaller mid-majors are three times a week. Um that's a big difference. So the pros have a big advantage over the colleges in trying high schools and what have you to keep this going during a pandemic. We know that you've done some college games. Let's talk some college basketball. What do you, what are your thoughts on as we're now into conference play and we're almost into the end of the conference play into the conference tournaments, uh, picking your brain a little bit, who do you like uh, going into the tournament? Looks like Gonzaga and uh, maybe Baylor if they can <laughs> Uh, they've had a lot of trouble with uh, COVID and all that. Yes. What about uh, those those two teams and maybe some others? Well, I I think it's interesting that, you know, in this day and age of college basketball, with all the money at the, at the big conference schools, you've got little old Gonzaga sitting out there with the best team in the country probably. And, and if, if they're not, Baylor is, you know, two relatively small private schools that are dominating the landscape. Uh, they're both outstanding. Gonzaga is one of the best offensive teams mm -hmm. college basketball has seen in a very long time. Um, you know, you've got to go back to the UNLV days of the nineties. Uh, then that was pre uh, shot clock and pre three pointer. Like it is today um, to see a team that can run up and down the floor and score like Gonzaga can. Uh, that said, I think it's gonna be very interesting to see the resurgence of the blue bloods if they can make a late run, I would not want to play Kentucky or Duke in the SEC or the ACC tournament coming up. Uh, I think Duke is making their move. I think Kentucky now is playing with pride, a chip on their shoulder. It's just, do they have enough time left to make it? And can they win three, four games in four days to win their conference tournament? Uh, I think Kansas is back. I think they're playing very good basketball right now. They play Baylor this weekend. That is a huge game uh, for Kansas. They need that desperately. Um, I, I just think it's very interesting. I think North Carolina, yeah, they stubbed their toe last night, but, um, you know, they've got Florida State uh, this weekend. And if they can beat the Seminoles, you yeah. know, you'd have to say the Tar Heels are back after what they did to Louisville, et cetera. So I think it's just a fabulous time of the year uh, for college fans. Uh, we, we're two weeks away from Selection Sunday. Uh, we're coming down to the wire. This is just great. I love it for the fact that we're going to have the conference tournaments. I've had some people say that we shouldn't have the conference tournaments. They're worried about, will that affect uh, the teams going into the NCAA? What do you think about that? I, I think that they're going to be fine. Uh, if you have COVID, you're going to have COVID if you have it at the conference tournament or if you have the NCAA, in my opinion. Well, it's a little different, Dave, in this regard. If you're a Gonzaga uh, and you go to the West Coast Conference Tournament and let's say there is some sort of infection in your team, now you're fighting the clock because you've got to be 
free of COVID in your program with your coaches, your support staff, and your players by the time you go to Indianapolis. And I think a, a team like Gonzaga might look at the calendar and just say, you know what, we're, we're going anyway. We don't have to win the West Coast Conference Tournament to get in. We might just opt out and stay in Gonzaga rather or Spokane and not go to Las Vegas and take the chance that somebody might catch it, even if they do everything right. And we've seen how contagious this thing is. And even if you do everything right, there's no guarantee you're not going to get it. So it wouldn't shock me to see some teams like a Gonzaga opt out of their conference tournament just because they're, they're fighting the calendar and the clock. You know, the ACC very well. What if, uh, speaking of a team that could opt out, Florida State has looked really, really good again. They won the regular season last year. They were awarded the tournament last year. Um, they're looking really, really good again this year. What if they said, hey, uh, to me, I still think the ACC is one of the best tournaments, as you've called um, uh, many of them. What if a Florida State opts out when you have um, – that's one of the attractions of the tournament is to see – the best basketball team of that tournament. I understand their personal, why they would do it, but what about the, as far as the league is concerned, would they be penalized for, for doing that? Well, uh, interesting. You asked that question because now the ACC is a different story. Uh, it is not a hard and fast rule, but in the ACC bylaws, every team is expected to be in the tournament. Uh, that's part of the deal for being in the ACC that you must show up and you must play. So uh, unless they were, uh, you know, they were held out because they were ineligible. uh, That's the only way they would be allowed to miss the Atlantic coast conference tournament. So even a team like Florida state or Virginia, somebody like that decided, well, we don't want to play and take a chance. They don't have that option, but the flip side of that, of course, is that there's more testing available because they've got more money to spend on it. So, their, their risk is is muted somewhat. It's mitigated somewhat by the testing. That'll be nice. Have you been able to be vaccinated yet, Bob? I have not. Um, and I'm ready. As soon as they call, I'm on about 10 waiting lists. Uh, we're waiting to get the vaccine down here in Georgia, uh, more widely distributed than it has been. But uh, I am waiting patiently, and uh, hopefully I can get it very soon. Well, if you can come to Greenville, North Carolina, my day job, we'll get you in the uh, vaccination clinic there for the local hospital. What time would you like me there tomorrow? (laughs) (laughs) If I could make it work, we definitely would for you. I appreciate Uh, that. Yeah. Uh, That's one of the things that uh, for college sports, I understand the pro side of things, but another thing that concerns me is coming up with, I know you're going to have college football coming up Uh um, with our college baseball that we have in the uh, fall sports are played in the spring time now right. and the spring sports. Um, I, I'm wondering if why not go ahead and vaccinate a lot of these college athletes because they're going to be one of the things we had locally in Greenville at East Carolina was the fact that we were doing really well in July, August, when that August rolled around, the kids come back from, you know, to college and we had a huge spike, huge numbers because of, right. Um, there was one party that was like 400 kids without a mask. I'm like, are you kidding? They're not going to wear a mask at a college party. Um, but I was just wondering how were your thoughts on that? I know people may perceive that is not right, but at the same time, when you have a group of people that are living together, they're going to class together. Um, if they're going to class, I know they've been virtual, but let's say they are going to class again. Mm-hmm. Then another thing too, another piece of it, Bob, is the fact that East Carolina, like a lot of colleges right now, they're hurting really bad because they don't have those kids on campus. They're not paying for the meal plans. They're not paying for any kind of housing. Um, so to me personally, I don't see that as a, we're going to put you above the 65 plus. We're going to do that in addition to the 65 plus are doing there, but that's just my two cents on it. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a distribution issue uh, more than it is uh, anything else. And uh, as we, go through this, you know, this only happens once every hundred years. So uh, it's kind of hard to prepare for all the eventualities, but I would think that as we get closer to springtime and certainly by the summer, uh, as more and more uh, vaccines are available, uh, we can amp up that, that vaccination process that you're talking about to get more people uh, faster uh, in all age groups. 
I, I'm, I don't know about you. I'm sick and tired of living like this. Uh, it's yeah. been a year. That's enough. Yeah. I want to get back and I don't want to have to, you know, worry about moving around at the grocery store. I don't want to worry about worrying about going to a ball game uh, and sitting next to people. So I'm ready for this to be over. And the faster we can vaccinate all of us, I am in favor of it. And if there's a, a way uh, that they have figured out that this group needs it and that group needs it and this group needs it, then let's do it. Let's go and and eventually get everybody vaccinated that we possibly can uh, and get this awfulness behind us. Well, one of the things that was tough for me, and I know uh, it was tough for you and a lot of folks, is uh, the passing of Hank Aaron. I wanted to ask your thoughts yeah. on that. I was really upset because uh, as a kid, I was too young. I was in diapers when he broke the record, but he was always somebody I looked up to and admired. Obviously, by the time I knew about him, he was not playing anymore. But I just want to get your thoughts on the uh, losing him. He's such a huge baseball icon, and as far as sports goes, he's one of the, to me, well, the all-time greats. Well, he was that. Um, and getting to know him as I you know, broadcast baseball here in Atlanta with the Braves for 10 years, getting to know Hank as he was around the ball club all the time, uh, what a gentle, caring soul, uh, just a, a wonderful human being. And I think that's why you saw the outpouring of emotion over his passing. Uh, much like Muhammad Ali, uh, people of that ilk, uh, just struck a chord in so many of us uh, because he was just a wonderful person, uh, much more than just the athletic accomplishments. And when you look back, and a lot of these stories, you know, were were reprinted and republished, and uh, all the hatred and all the bigotry and everything that he went through uh, in in breaking Babe Ruth's record uh, never changed him on the inside. Uh, he was still a, a great human being. He went through hell. There's no doubt about it. And yet came through the other side and still was kind and gentle and a joy to be around. You know, that was the one thing that I loved about Hank more than anything. And I said, Henry, come up here and sit in the booth for a while. Tell us some stories. And and uh, he, would, he was great. He was great to be around and we miss him. Uh, this city is mourning his loss to this day. Uh, you know, there just doesn't get any you know, you think about Georgia athletics, uh, pro and college, you know, you're talking about, you know, Dominique Wilkins, uh, Herschel Walker, Hank Aaron, you know, you're talking about some of the all time greats that we've had. So it was a real, uh, tough loss for those of us here in Atlanta because we, we love him so much. And we could talk, uh, one thing I want to ask you as a baseball fan, uh, reading stories about the CBA, I'm uh, I'm really nervous. <laughs> um, I, obviously, uh, what, the CBA goes through the year, I believe, or the end of the year, That's and correct. then we're um, worried about the C. Not worried about this year, obviously, but worried about 22 as far as a baseball fan. <laughs> and it took a long time for us. I never thought that canceling the World Series, like not to bring up uh, bad memories, but 94, not having a World Series, and you think a great story like the Montreal Expos at the time. They've got a good shot to win it all, which was such a cool story. Whether you're a fan or not, it was a great baseball story, mm -hmm. and that was thrown out the window. Uh, how do you feel? Do you think there's a chance that they can work things out? I know they still have a, a year, but uh, it doesn't sound too good from what I'm hearing. I don't yeah. know. You know more than I do. Uh, no, I, I really don't, Dave. But I, just from the outside looking in, having lived through that 94 season when everything stopped in late August, uh, I've never seen two sides that just – hated each other like baseball owners and the players. And, you know, even though they've had uh, relative peace uh, these last two, three years, you know, there's been a lot of saber rattling and uh, it sure looks like they're on a collision course once again. Uh, and you read the stories of manipulating service time to keep guys money down and bonuses and all this stuff. And, it's like, this is right where we were in 1994. And um, that was an awful time for baseball. Uh, just dug in, hated the, just hated each other. And had a, you know, a, a, a judge not intervened in 1995, um, Judge Santamayor, had she not come along, they may still be out. I forgot uh, about her. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she 
you know, got him back on, on the field, you know, and, and serves on our Supreme Court now. So I, I just I, I am not one to hold out hope of these guys. You know, it's so different in the NBA. It's just night and day. Um, the ownership, the players work together for the betterment of the of the game. They've uh, turned the sport into a, 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 a colossal around the world. You know, baseball can't do that. Uh, they just can't seem to get along. And I, I'm i a little worried like you are about next year. You know, I'm, I I just don't understand, you know, with they've got they've got such a great game and people love it. And um, they just can't seem to, to get on the same page. You know, Tony Clark, uh, the, the head of the players union, you know, is a guy who came up with the Tigers organization when I was there. So uh, yeah. I've known Tony a long time. And uh, this it doesn't sound good. It doesn't look good. Well, hopefully we can, hopefully we can, uh, I'm not going to hold my breath, but hopefully we can, they can get something worked out and we'll deal with that, I guess, in 22, like we're dealing with COVID. It's one, one step at a time. Yes. All right. Amen. Uh, before we let you go too, Bob, we appreciate the time and you've been uh, generous. Uh, I know that your wife has the rescue. I want to mention that my dad is a veterinarian. I'm a son of a veterinarian. So oh, wow. I want yeah, I wanted to make sure that we uh, plug that every time you come on because I think she's doing fantastic. You guys are doing fantastic work. So I wanted to, for people watching, if uh, I'm sure if they want uh, the dog rescue, right? Yes, it is. It's Rescue Me Georgia, and you can find them on all social media. Uh, they pull dogs primarily from a county south of Atlanta, Jasper County, Georgia. And, uh, in fact, uh, Mary Beth went down there yesterday, pulled four uh, out of the shelter. Oh. Uh, that, that we're going to get homes for. So, um, you know, it's a labor of love. The dogs are great. Rescues are great. If you're thinking about adopting a pet, uh, think rescue first because those dogs are special. I don't know what it is about a rescue, but they just seem to know that they have been rescued and, and they will be lifelong, uh, lifelong pets and great friends. And uh, it's a wonderful aspect of our lives. You know, it, the dogs keep us going. They, they are just great. And uh, if you are a uh, an animal lover, and particularly a dog lover, uh, have your pet spared. That will be the best thing you can do uh, as a pet owner. Of course, love them and hug them and all that, and they'll be great companions. But if you can get them spayed or neutered, that will go a long way in helping control the pet population. No doubt. Give her our best. It means a lot. What you I guys shall, Dave. She will be excited and, uh, to hear you say that. How, uh, how can people follow your work with uh, not only the – we have the Hawks, but you got some other stuff coming up and then we'll let you get out of here. I appreciate the time tonight. Okay. Well, you know, all of, if you're in the Southeast uh, region around Atlanta, then you can watch the games on Fox sports Southeast. If you're out of the region uh, and in Eastern North Carolina, I'm sure that's Hornets country on cable. So you uh, can watch our games on league pass. Occasionally there are that. NBA TV, uh, but you can also uh, keep up with me on social uh, Bob Rathbun TV. will and I'm on Twitter and Instagram and, and post to fairly regularly about the comings and goings of the Hawks. So love to hear from all the fans everywhere, still do the ACC games. Uh, so excited about that and uh, love, love staying in touch with the fans. So thank you for having me on. And I appreciate you. Let me say that. Thank you, Bob. Appreciate the visit as always. And we'll have you on again soon. Thank you so much. Great. Okay. Y'all take care. Thank all you. Right, have a great night, Bob. Okay. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Legendary. Announcer there, Bob Rathman, play-by-play voice. Uh, speaking of a play-by-play voice, uh, very sp- excited to have on with us, Georgia Southern play-by-play voice, Danny Reed. Danny, how are you? Uh, Danny got herself on mute. I think you've got yourself on mute there, Danny. Uh-oh. Yeah, guys, he's not muted. Um, he may need to sign out and come back in. Yeah, Danny, sign out and come back in if you will. We are not picking up your audio. All right, we'll get Danny back on. That's uh, nothing like live television, uh, streaming here. We'll get him back on. And, uh, guys, uh, big series we'll be talking to Danny about, Georgia Southern, as he's from the Georgia Southern Sports Network. Pirates are going on the road. Big, big matchup uh, with uh, the Pirates taking on Georgia Southern, the very first road trip, and uh, it's going to be a big one, right? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, by the way, this is Kyle from LaGrange. Welcome hey, back Kyle. to the show. Um, I, no, of course, that's yeah, going to be a big series on the road. It's our first road series of the year. 
Pirates off to a 4 0 start with wins over Rhode Island and Duke. But when you go on the road, it's a different story. Uh, Georgia Southern's always got a solid baseball program, and the Sun Belt's a good baseball conference. So it's going to be a tall task. And the very fact that the, how will the Pirates be? They're, they're more like the, now they've become the hunted. Um, and how will they handle that? How will they handle Georgia Southern's a good program, like you said? How will they handle the pressure of uh, being 4-0, and you know? Um, pitching has been outstanding. They, they played very well Saturday and Sunday, and they, they played well enough. Obviously, they won uh, over the weekend. They won Friday night. And then the, the big tale was uh, how they played Tuesday night, lights out, uh, with uh, against Duke 6-1. to one. So um, we'll see how that uh, plays out. And, and no, nah, we're, we're used to the pressure. Four knows is what, we're, what we expect. And but we got a lot of guys who played a lot of baseball here. And uh, so I don't, I don't think that's going to be a problem. I, I think when you look at it, you know, last year they didn't get very many road opportunities because the season cut short. And now this is first road trip of the year. To me, that's the big storyline this weekend is going on the road. Uh, as far as being 4-0, uh, I think the guys, I think that's the expectation. So I think they'll be able to handle that pressure. Yes, and as Coach Godwin told us uh, Tuesday night, I asked a question about Gavin Williams. He's going to get some time. It won't be a start, but he'll definitely get some time uh, this weekend. We'll see the first start uh, of the season for him. That's going to be uh, fascinating to see. Maybe he'll be coming in a relief role. I would imagine it would be an inning or something like that. Nothing uh, nothing as far as length-wise. They're not going to do that. And one of the things I love about Coach Godwin, Kyle, and, and Bubba is the very fact that he makes it very clear that the future of that kid is the most important thing. And think about that. Even if we didn't have the pitching, he's not going to put Gavin Williams out there and hurt his chances to make it at the next level for the major leagues. Well, not only that, you're going to hurt his chances of, of pitching for you later in the year when it's right. getting close to, you know, when you're in a conference race potentially to win the league or tournament time or whatever. So you don't want to hurt him for your, for your own benefit, but you don't want to hurt him for his benefit, whereas uh, he hopefully will have a professional career uh, down the road. And, and plus, you know, we do have pitching depth. There's no need to rush anybody back. No, it's not. All right. We've got Danny Reed back. We've got, how are you, Danny? Sorry about that guys. Appreciate you having me on tonight. No doubt. We were just talking about the pirates being four and and we know that uh, Georgia Southern has a great program. Wanted to have you on tonight as we preview the series coming up. And uh, I know the pirates are looking forward to taking on Georgia Southern and, uh, how about from your standpoint with Georgia Southern? Uh, you got a, you have a program to be proud of. I would imagine the Pirates are looking forward to it a little bit more after the sweep up in Greenville last year. But Georgia Southern did just score 18 runs on 23 hits last night against the College of Charleston. They had a bit of a rough weekend in terms of wins and losses against Tennessee. Only nine runs scored in those three games, but they really felt like they could have won two of the three. Unfortunately, it was a sweep, but did take down CFC last night in Charleston. But, yeah, it is a program that's been to two College World Series and now under head coach Rodney Hennon for the 22nd year. He's the second longest tenured coach in the history of Georgia Southern baseball. He went over 800 career wins last March before the shutdown. Six times he's taken the Eagles to the NCAA tournament, even though they haven't been there since 2014. Last year, it felt like there was something special brewing. You get an 11-5 and start, you win your last seven games, and you beat number two Georgia three times. You feel like there's something brewing, and then COVID comes in. It shuts everything down. Thankfully, almost everybody is back from that team and you had a couple of impact freshmen to the roster you just don't want to look at the wins and losses too much right now at one and three but the fact that another ranked team is coming to states for it's another chance for these guys to show people that they are worthy of all the hype they're getting yeah before we break down georgia southern too much i wanted to talk a little bit about the Sun Belt as a whole i know you guys you know back in the day played in the socon and and you, you guys have a great tradition like you said uh, what, what are your thoughts on the Sun Belt as a whole? I think it's one of the most underrated baseball conferences in America with you guys, Coastal Carolina, Louisiana, Lafayette, uh, South Alabama, et cetera. Especially right now. I think that with all the talent that's coming back, not just with fifth and sixth year seniors returning to teams, but also all the freshmen that didn't get drafted last year because it was only a five round draft. I think that you're looking at one of the more talented seasons in the history of college baseball that's coming up and in the Sun Belt. You've got maybe five or six teams that could be worthy of a regional berth. Now, granted, I think you'd be lucky to get two with these circumstances, but Coastal five years ago won a national championship. Asian Cajuns have been to a college world series ever since the turn of Y2K. You've South Alabama always seems to be good. Troy has been to a regional within the last couple of 
years. There's no easy series in the league this year. And thankfully, we're lucky enough that we get a chance to play teams in each division. The way that we've had to do basketball this year, they separated us between East and West, and we've only played teams. We're in the East. We've only played East Division teams, so we haven't played anybody that's in the West Division with 12 wow. teams. We haven't seen six of them this year, and we're not going to see them until we get to the conference basketball wow. tournament and down in Pensacola, but at least with baseball, you get to see everybody. You get a better gauge on what the league is like, and I think that the caliber of play in the league this year is going to be really, really good. Yeah, and and, and, and again, right before we break down your team, um, you talk about how good the Sunbelt is. You play Tennessee weekend series. You play East Carolina weekend series. That's got to get you ready for conference play. You get a team that was ranked 16th last week. I know East Carolina was high as 13th going into the season, but it's a team that Georgia Southern knows pretty well from that three-game series up in Greenville last year. Even that series, even though East Carolina swept it, Georgia Southern was in contention in the first two games. When you run into Alec Burleson, I think the Eagles found out what a lot of people nationally found out, and then a tight game in game two as well. But then in game three, East Carolina just showed how well they could slug it. Bryson Worrell just tore up Georgia Southern going five for 10 with a home run and three doubles in that series. These guys have looked forward to this especially with so many guys that were back from that series last year and even coming home from Greenville the bus shut down on the side of the road I wasn't there for it but I've heard a lot oh, of stories God. about it so they didn't get back until about 5 30 on Sunday morning or rather um, this would have been Monday morning since they're funny <laughs> so this is one even more so that they've been looking forward to they want to get all those bad thoughts out of their head and do the best they can to try to at least win the series. But I know East Carolina is really tough. You guys have some back as well. So someone get word to Cliff that the Eagles have this one circled and have for a year now. <laughs> they've circled it in blue. It's been circled for about a year now. That doesn't necessarily mean anything, but they've been looking forward to this one for sure. Well, he follows our program, so I'm sure he'll he'll hear about it. Uh, and one thing I want to mention too, Danny, is the fact that uh, some people, sports fans, look at a record and they go, Oh man, Georgia Southern one and three. Well, uh, if you're not paying attention, they played the number nineteen team in the in the country with Tennessee, and you guys gave them. I know you lost three games to Tennessee, but you gave them all kinds of fits, right? Well, they needed a ninth inning two run home run game two. They needed a twelfth inning grand slam to win game three, and even game oh. one jumped out five nothing. Georgia back and cut it to five to three. That was the only game that I. And I was with Georgia Southern basketball over the last couple of days, so I didn't get a chance to see the Saturday and Sunday games. But the fact that they were as competitive as they were, I'm not going to say they should have swept the series, but could have just easily taken two of the three games. But credit Tennessee for being ranked where they played like a team. They got the hit when they needed them, despite hitting just 198 for the series and striking out 45 times in three games. Tennessee hit five home runs, and two of those turned out to be game-winning home runs. And then you could kind of feel that the Eagles were a little bit hot and bothered by that last night in Charleston. They got down 2 nothing, but then scored nine in the third, six more in the fourth. And when you get in a midweek setting, it's okay. You're up 15-2 to two at that point. Let's just, let's kind of get this one rolling. Let's see if we can get back home. Let's see if we can get some practice and get ready for you coming in this weekend, but it was really nice to see the offense break out and the fact that it was so much and that everybody had a part in it, it shows you what they can do. And I think that realistically, it's going to be somewhere in between a three-game sweep and scoring 18 runs. But to know that everybody was capable of doing that at the same time, it, it was nice to see. It really was. Danny, talk about your uh, weekend rotation there for the uh, for the Eagles, your Friday night pitcher, and the, West, and the rest of your weekend rotation. And what do you have coming out of the bullpen? How's the pitch of death look for uh, Georgia Southern? It's going to be the same as the opening weekend. Jordan Jackson, the transfer from Spartanburg Methodist in the upstate of South Carolina. He'll get the ball tomorrow. And then freshman Chase Doe Lander out of Greenbrier High School near the Augusta area gets the ball in game two. And then Braden Hayes to start game three. Jackson is somebody that was the Friday guy last year. Went three and one in four starts. Only gave up one run at home. Tennessee had a really good first inning against him in terms of upping his pitch count. He threw 45 pitches at first. He didn't get out of the third. It just got to a point where it was just trying to get enough outs to not tax the entire bullpen but the good thing about it was when Jackson left the bullpen came in did really well gave up just one run after that Tyler Owens came in behind him went four and two thirds he struck out 10 guys and dating back 16 years we couldn't find another Georgia Southern reliever that had struck out double digits in one game I can't think it happens too often anywhere but I would think you would see Tyler Owens oh. in a long relief setting 
at least at some point during the weekend. Then for Dolander, he is a freshman that has a great arm, somebody that was on a lot of draft boards last year, but it was only five rounds. So Georgia Southern, I think, was lucky to keep him. He was 92-96 most of the game against Tennessee. He struck out eight batters over five innings and a no decision. And then with Braden Hayes, somebody that's been in the weekend rotation for three years now, he has improved each year looking to make this his best campaign. He's only claimed one victory individually, but somebody that pitched well enough last year to earn a little bit more than that. He's been working more quickly the last two seasons. I think that's helped him because he's not somebody that's going to blow a lot of guys away. You enjoy playing defense behind him because he induces a lot of contact. He can work quickly, kind of like a Mark Burley, not as, as bulky as Burley was when he was pitching for the White Sox, but similar in terms of tempo. And then bullpen-wise, we mentioned Owens, but you'll see guys like Nick Jones, Jones, David Johnson, Hayden Harris, who started the game last night but only went two innings. The fact that you've got a 44-man roster and 22 of the guys are pitchers and 16 of them have already thrown in the first four games, there are a lot of options. So for Ronnie Hennon and pitching coach B.J. Green, they know that it's not just guys that they've been accustomed to the last couple of years, but they can go to a lot of different guys if they need to get a couple of outs against DCU. You look at the two teams that have a lot of pitching depth, and so uh, you immediately think you can see some pitching duels Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And uh, when you have those preconceived notions and you think you're going to see a lot of good pitching and pitching duels, look for some 15-14 type ballgames. Well, since they remodeled the ballpark down here in 2017, it has become more of a pitcher's ballpark. In the early stages of J.I. Clement Stadium, the fence was in a little bit closer, about 10, 15 feet in some areas, and that made it a hitter's haven. But now they backed the fence up in 2017. There's a blue monster in right field that's 24 feet tall. It sits just shy of 330 feet away, but they backed the center field fence up. They backed the left field fence up. That was in advance of Georgia Southern hosting the Sunbelt Conference Tournament in 2017. Now, that doesn't mean the ball can't fly out because if the wind blows out, it's going to carry just like anywhere else. But predominantly, it has shown that even if you get the ball in the air, you better crush it because most of the time the wind's coming in and it makes it difficult to get it out of there. Let's talk about the crowd, too. Uh, Danny, we're happy for you guys. Uh, looks like you had about what seven to 800 people there uh, for the University of Tennessee. So uh, talk about that. Something that the, we found out yesterday from Governor uh, Roy Cooper has relaxed standards there and the restrictions. Uh, so we're very happy about that. Where we, I think we can get about 1,500 people. 30, well, 30% attendance, Dave, that's going to depend on whether it's going to be just counting the stands or if it's going to count uh, the jungle also, but potentially 1,500. Uh, what, what, what is y'all's percentage down there, Danny? We're at 25%, and it's funny because the number that was listed – I don't know if it was exactly that. It seemed like there were a lot more people there, especially on opening night and the rest of the weekend. You've got a nationally ranked team in Tennessee's never been in Statesboro for a weekend series, but they blocked off every other row. The capacity is listed at 3,000, depending on standing room. You can get somewhere between seven, 800, depending on how they can space them out and make sure everybody has their six feet and wearing their mask. But the fact that we can have people at all is a victory. In fact, we yeah. played at Appalachian State basketball earlier this season in the state of North Carolina at that point. They limited capacity 85, and the way they got to that number was every player on each team was allotted two tickets, and then they gave 25 additional tickets to donors or athletic personnel, whatever. And we had played at Davidson earlier in the year where no fans were allowed. It was just a couple of athletic personnel and whatnot. But the fact that we're back outside and at least we can have this series here, I would hope that it's going to be somewhere between seven and 800 because even though people may not think that, oh, it's East Carolina, what do they have? They're ranked just where Tennessee is, and in my estimation, they've got a better offense than Tennessee does. And if the pitching staff is not equal, it is right there, especially with what <laughs> with what Wiz and I did against <laughs> Rhode Island on Sunday last week. Hey, Danny, uh, you know what's funny is that this is another example of being with the COVID year we've been dealing with. How many times have we seen at East Carolina, like for basketball, where there's probably 50 people in, in the 100 people? Um, there's been some bad, some bad times, uh, with the losing seasons in the past. And they would put the, they would say the attendance is 500 people and you could literally, I've been at games in the nineties and I could literally count how many people were in the, in the arena. And I'm not trying to make fun of my alma mater, but you know, it's a situation, but how is it funny here, how you have a situation where the crowd could have been larger, 
and they're saying, no, 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 there, there was only seven, eight hundred. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to see that's so weird because normally they're counting every person. They're counting the janitor. They're counting every single person in yeah. the building to, to say for attendance. And here they're subtracting. That's crazy. Yeah, I've got about seven years experience in minor league baseball. When I look around and see about 13 people in the stands and then I get an attendance on a box score that 6,254 fans. Where? Were they hiding because of the sun? Trust me, I've, I've been there. I've done that. Danny, uh, I'll switch gears a little bit. Uh, I know you, uh, we uh, we hired an assistant from Georgia Southern Football, hired your running backs coach. I'm terrible with names. Uh, help me out, Dave. I can't remember his name. Too. Okay, well, you're running backs coach. Uh, maybe, maybe you know Danny. <laughs> uh, he, uh, what do you think of hire? Uh, what do you think about him as a coach? Oh, you got a winner. He's he's phenomenal. He was the assistant head coach, recruiting coordinator during his time here. And when you can work with guys like Matt Breida, and Wesley Fields, J.D. King, Wesley Kennedy over the course of his tenure, and you've seen Breida play with the 49ers and now with the Miami Dolphins, he had a very successful tenure as well with Appalachian State up in North Carolina. So he's been long known as one of the top running backs coaches in the country. And once that position opened at ECU, the people in Statesboro kind of got a little bit tense thinking, okay, that's one where you could. And he was in contention for a spot at South Carolina as well. He got here in 2016 when things weren't necessarily good from a football standpoint through the awful 2017 season. But ever since 18, he has been part of the trend back up. And we knew that it was just a matter of time before somebody else plucked him. I'm happy that you guys have him. I'm, I'm not happy that Georgia Southern lost him, but you are going to grow to love him because he is one of the absolute best. His players love him, and he is a guy of high character. You you got a great one up there. Sounds good. Thank you, Bubba. Chris Foster, by the way, Kyle. Thanks to Bubba. Thanks. Chris Foster. Yeah, yeah I'm I think his name that, that, that is something I need to work on. I am. <laughs> Good God, I'm just, I'm the world's worst. Uh, I forgot one of our pitchers' names this weekend. This is a six-year senior. Uh, <laughs> could, could not think of his name to save my life. With Colmore? Colmore, yeah, Cam Colmore. Could not hey, think of his name uh, for, for nothing in this world on our Sunday night wrap-up show for baseball, and his mom was watching. So, <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> yeah, not at all. Uh, we love the Colmores, but uh, – what about the what about the bats? Your offense is what I've been was really impressed by the numbers you guys putting up. I know people was overused term, but video game numbers. You guys are just uh, tearing it up behind the plate. They're uh, big, you know, double digit number of runs. You know, uh, that's something. If you're a pirate fan uh, coming into the uh, going into the weekend, you got to be concerned about. Well, it was last night. I mean, it was nine runs over the first three games of the season, but last night it was 18 runs on 23 hits. Eight of those went for extra bases, had three homers, four doubles, and a triple, and it just seemed like everything just blew up after that nine-run third inning. You had four hits each from Jalen Payton, who played third base last night, true freshman from Decatur High School up near Atlanta. That was the first time he'd ever hit leadoff, and, man, he looks like he's somebody that's going to be really good for Georgia Southern. Christian Avan, who started in center last night, he's played all three outfield positions. He's also played third. He could do a little bit of catching. He's that Swiss Army knife, if you will. His four hits and four RBIs and a pair of doubles, all those tied career highs for somebody that's in his fourth year in the program. And then the sluggers. You've got Mason McCorder, who will play both outfield positions on the corners and also step in first base he hit two home runs he drove in five that's the fifth time he's had a multi-homer game Noah Ledford behind him he had another home run that's the third time he's gone deep in four games somebody that can switch hit and show as much power from the right side as he does from the left it, it, it was nice to see so many different guys show you what they can do how that carries into the weekend against weekend pitching for a top 25 team, we'll have to find out, especially since that team swept Georgia Southern a year ago on the road. But the fact that it was shown and it is capable of being at that, like I mentioned earlier, it's probably going to be somewhere in between a sweep at the hands of Tennessee and scoring 18 runs on all those hits. But it, it, it was fun to call despite the game getting longer and longer with all those runs that report, especially in a midweek setting when you're on the road. But I'm never going to complain about a win. Danny, um, for, for Pirate fans, uh, where do you do, do you guys first? Do you guys offer video streaming of your baseball games? I'm assuming you do. Uh, is it available on ESPN Plus or somewhere else? 
Yeah, this weekend, all three games will be available on ESPN+. Plus. You can also catch our broadcast on the Georgia Southern Sports Network. We will be audio only on gseagles.com on Friday and Saturday because Eagle basketball finishes the season against Appalachian State. But then on Sunday, it'll be a full network broadcast, and you can find our link on TuneIn. All you have to do is search Georgia Southern Eagles Sports Network, or you can check out gseagles.com slash watch, and you can catch our audio there via True Blue TV. All right. And uh, by the way, I want to ask you about the Pirate fans that are making the trip down to Statesboro. Talk about that. Have you heard a number of them coming down? I haven't heard anything specifically, but it, it, it has a way of being a little bit bigger when your team is in the top 25 and you've got the kind of program that you have. I know that the Godwins have done such great work, whether it's been Chris Brilly over the last few years and the, the pitching, the hitting. I've been very impressed by that program. I actually had a chance to nearly call some East Carolina baseball. That was back in 2014, and that was something that was in contention for. So it's a program that I've followed for a number of years. I didn't get a chance to go to that series a year ago because of basketball, and I'm only going to get to call the Sunday game this week, depending on what the COVID situation is going to be between Georgia Southern basketball and Appalachian State. But I'm looking forward to this. It's always nice when you can get a top 25 program to Statesboro, especially second straight, and especially when it's a team that's performed as well the last five years like ECU has. One of my favorite rock bands, the Allman Brothers, love the Statesboro Blues, so love that song. So uh, I've always, uh, I've never been to Statesboro, but one of the reasons, it may sound corny, but one of the reasons why I wanted to go is because I love hearing Greg Allman sing that song, and, and it, that makes me want to go to Statesboro. If you get a chance, if you're making the trip, if you're a Pirate fan, if you're making the trip this weekend, if you go down Main Street in Statesboro near the Visitors Bureau, there is a statue that was built about a year ago, Blind Willie McTell sitting on a bench because he's the original artist. The Allman Brothers popularized it, but there is a bronze statue of Blind Willie McTell sitting on a park bench with a guitar and dedication of the Statesboro Blues song, which is nice. years old. So you get a chance to come in town if you have a free time, go down Main Street, you'll be able to see that's really cool. Cal and I love, um, we're music nerds, Bubba does too, but Cal and I, we, we, need, to, we need to do that, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. Any, anytime you can take part in any kind of musical history and uh, go to the place where expire, inspired a song, it's, uh, it's cool to do. And uh, by the way, also one more thing, and we'll let you go. Uh, we love to eat. Uh, well, I'll speak for myself. I love to eat. Uh, where are some great, great places? you got some barbecue places down there. What's the, what's the locals' favorite down there in Statesboro, the Pirate fans? Uh, maybe they'll let us in. Oh man, that's that, that's a good question. Are, are are you thinking just barbecue specifically, or just anywhere? Uh, well, where, where where would you recommend pirate fans eat? Doesn't have to be barbecue. Anything, yeah, anything. I would recommend Patterson Station. It is right on Highway 67. It's also called Fair Road. It'll lead you right into town as you get off the highway. You'll see it next to a Wild Wing Cafe. You can go there as well. Great wings, but they're separated by maybe a football field. Either way. You'll get whatever you want to. It's a good, good spot. Nice, nice, nice spot to get some. That right. sounds really good. How can uh, and as far as you have a uh, social media, how can people follow you? And uh, definitely Facebook or what? You guys can follow me on Twitter at GS Eagles Voice. On Twitter, we are at GS Sports Network, and on Facebook, just search Georgia Southern Sports Network. We'll have tweets about the series all weekend long. I'll be there on Sunday to call the final game of the series but for those of you that would rather watch do so RESPN plus will have all three games all right danny thank you so much for the visit and short notice uh, this afternoon uh, green to come on means a lot and uh look forward to seeing the the series this weekend you got it guys have fun appreciate it all right appreciate you danny a lot thank you so much for coming on tonight so the power fans that were wondering the games will be available on espn plus and and uh dave um how exciting is it it's our first chance to talk about it. 30% attendance available for outdoor sporting events. Um, so we'll actually be able to have some fans for baseball. And that bodes really well for uh, maybe, you know, I don't I don't want to say 100%, but maybe we'll be 70% by football season. But uh, 30%, hey, than- I, I did not expect us to jump from 100 people to 30%. Well, here's the here's the thing, Kyle. You, you, you and I talked about it, Bubba. Way back in November, what 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 the situation is now is thank God that Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's is, is not anywhere close to us right now, because that we were on a roll, and then we it was like hitting a brick wall um, as far as recovery, and now that we have those holidays behind us, so to speak, um, things are going to get a lot, a lot better, and we need folks to 
continue. The uh, The good news is, Kyle, the 65-plus, there's a ton of people that want the shot and the vaccine, and that bodes well for us. Um, and like you said, Kyle, my goal was uh, things were so bad at the beginning of the year. Oh, I was looking for 50%. It would be a, a, a 25,000 for Dowdy Fickman in the fall. We'd, we'd be lucky. That would be like our ceiling. But now yeah. uh, that might be a conservative estimate, right? Yeah, you know, who knows how things are going to go from here. But if things continue to trend right, uh, you maybe at least double it and get to 60%. Um, you know, who knows? I, I saw somebody suggest 75%. To me, that almost seems stupid. If you, if you get to 75%, you might as well do 100%. I don't really know how you can social distance to 75%. So if you're going to do that, you might as well say 100%. So, uh, but whatever. 63.7%. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not complaining. Um, 30% is a heck of a, is a, you can, whether the attendance is counted in the jungle, and my guess is it will be. So my guess will be 1,500. Uh, 1,500 people can make a lot of noise for these, for, for, for these boys. And, um, except for, you know, Saturday games with good weather and big name opponents, you know, 15 to 2,500 is probably realistically what we get for most games anyway. So uh, it's going to be nice to, um, for our baseball team and for the other sports too, but particularly for the baseball team to, to have fans in there. And then your spring football's coming up. Um, we can have a normal crowd for spring football based on what normally shows up. We may, just the fact that nobody could really go to pirate football this past year, we may have a huge crowd for spring football. I'm very excited about buying. Now, here's something else I want to mention, uh, Kyle, that I haven't had a chance to. I just realized I was going to ask you, got text you guys earlier. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on there? Are people upset that they can't tailgate? They couldn't go into the games, like for baseball, um, but they couldn't tailgate. What are your thoughts on that? There was a tweet put out by. Uh, at East Carolina, at ECU Athletics, and there were a lot of people that were reacting to that. But so they can't um, tailgate now after the thirty percent. Um, they put it out. I don't know. They put it out yesterday. It may have been before the announcement, but uh, I saw a lot of reaction on social media. I just people get wanted to tailgate experience. while they couldn't go into the stadium this past weekend. Is that what you're? That's saying? my that's my take because they. Brought um, I guess they were just enforcing the rules. My guess is that will be – I'm assuming that will change now with 30% attendance. They'll allow them to tailgate. I don't know. Um, I don't know that for a fact. Uh, I think Gilbert's going to be addressing that. Is it tomorrow? Yeah. yeah well, that's about the uh, – as far as season or tickets are concerned, uh, tomorrow at 2 o'clock. So, we'll um, – Well, that's for all sports, not just football, right? That's for, that's for tickets. Right. For, yeah, right. well, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing um, as media members we can take part in that. And I'll, somebody needs to ask them about tailgating. That's a question that fans are going to want to know. Uh, people like to tailgate for baseball, and um, will that be allowed? Um, I, I would assume it would be. I don't. I don't really know why it wouldn't. But you know, then again, I you know I don't make the rules. And really, quite honestly, I don't know that Gilbert makes the rules. Um, it's going to be kind of what the governor is allowing. By the way, I want to mention before I want to mention this uh, too before I forget. Let me give a shout out. I don't know if you guys saw that, but one of our colleagues on the sports objective, Sutton Young, uh, he is getting an internship at, at uh, Charlotte WBT TV, and that's a really big deal. So we'll give a shout out to Sutton. He says it's a great job for us and really happy for him for all that he's been doing. And uh, this is the next step for him. And so we're very happy for what he's accomplished already at, at East Carolina. But Charlotte is obviously – a huge TV market, and uh, that's going to be really big for him. So, congratulations, Sutton. I know that uh, I know you put that on social media yesterday and Facebook. Yeah, congratulations to Sutton, and uh, he'll continue to do uh, big things. I'm sure. No doubt, and um, you know, with uh, we're talking about the crowd. Uh, how about uh, Joe Dooley? Let's talk about Joe Dooley. I know there's not been a lot to cheer about. Normally, we were talking about if we said something like that, it'd be about losses, but it's because of COVID for the basketball program as, of course, the game Saturday night at Tulsa was postponed, which means pretty much at this point canceled late in the season. The next game will be next Thursday night at uh, UCF. So a uh, long... That in Greenville? That is, I believe that is correct. Let me double check on that, but let me... Um, well, if that's the case, it'll be 15% capacity. We can actually have a... Uh, you know, I, I don't know what 15 print capacity is at up Minji's. Uh, 1500 Bubba put up. I'm not sure on that. A thousand uh, to 1500. Okay. Uh, so Some, somewhere of, there like that. Yeah. yeah. It'd be a big improvement and, uh, it'd be nice for the basketball team to play in front of some fans for a change. So I, uh, 
beg your part. Uh, let's see. Yeah, that should be in Greenville. Yeah, it is in Greenville on Thursday night at nine o'clock. So maybe we can have some fans there for, but uh, guys, that's like 20 some days since the last game. So uh, that's going to be interesting to see how the pirates will fare there. And how about uh, Kyle? we got two good recruits, uh, Marlon Leston and Jaquan Scott added to the 21 class for EC hoops. We've got a tremendous basketball staff. Joe Dooley is, I mean, his hobby is recruiting. He does recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. And anybody knows that if you want to be good at whatever college sports, you got to know how to recruit, right, Kyle? I can't win without players. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, well, that fares well for us uh, moving forward. And, you know, we've talked about this for the football program, but basketball, uh, right now we see the program heading in the right direction. We have to definitely sell hope. We see that the program is going to be moving, and it looks like we're uh, right at the cusp of uh, the NCAA tournament, the NIT tournament. Uh, in the future. So we'll see that, uh, you know, Marlon, uh, Marlon's actually from Canada and uh, Dooley the other night, I think it was a week ago or so was uh, had talked to him. Uh, he said an international player, but Marlon Leston's from Canada and uh, Jaquan Scott is our great producer. Um, remind me, I knew that Marlon was from Canada. Jaquan, uh, Jaquan Scott is from Florida. So welcome them to pirate nation. And that's going to be, I'm just excited, Kyle. I, I, we haven't had much to be excited about in basketball, but it is getting better. And that's just a daggone shame. We talked a lot that they started out seven and one and COVID just pretty much killed the second half of the season. Yeah, it's a shame. I mean, like you said, good start to the season and just things have been a nightmare ever since the holiday break and uh, COVID case after COVID case, but maybe they'll get healthy. They'll be able to play these last couple of games and uh, get hot and make a run in the tournament. And by the way, Marlon is 6'9", and Jaquan is 6'8", and they're athletic, as Bubba tells us. And we knew uh, – I knew about Marlon. I did not know uh, how to uh, do some homework on Jaquan. Um, but uh, certainly more like uh, – they're more athletic and long, uh, just like, uh, of course, what you would expect in the American. If Bubba's just going to produce when he's not on the show, when he's just producing, I say we refer to him as Hotchkiss Featherbottom. You can do that. <laughs> you can, our, uh, producer, our producer, Hotchkiss Featherbottom. Oh, my. Oh, my goodness. Well, I can tell you that. Uh, hey, by the way, Kyle, I want to tell you this. This is really cool. Got a chance to uh, order those gloves from PGXGloves.com. And uh, got good news last Sunday because my son, Alexander, will be playing baseball. Got a double check for my daughter, Mackenzie, for softball. But. Really excited about the opportunities they have. Uh, they've gone a year without sports. Um, but thanks to the great folks at pgxgloves.com where they have all kinds of cool stuff there. You name it, they have it. They have customized, custom baseball gloves like I got. Look, look at Hoskins getting that graphic up on the screen just like that. When you're talking <laughs> he about did. It. Batting gloves, personalized youth but football gloves. And what about you, Kyle? I mean, they've got, hey, Kyle, they have some really cool T-shirts. you got to check them out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, go to pgxgloves.com. Again, I keep harping on it, but I know we have golfers out there. Get yourself some custom golf gloves. Little League season's coming up. Like Dave mentioned, get your kids some custom gloves. Man, your kids love going out there looking like badasses where they're on custom gloves on as they get out, if they go to bat. Uh, you know, they got cool T-shirts, so go check those out. Check out the swag at pgxgloves.com. And remember, put in ECU at checkout and save yourself 25%. No doubt about it. Appreciate Kaz. Mark, uh, we need to get Mark on. Get Kaz on. We'll do that. Uh, Mark Minikazi will do that very soon. And, and by the way, we got to give a shout out to our good friends at Next Level Training Center. Uh, speaking of getting your kids ready for Little League, they've got a great clinic coming up. I'm very excited. I signed my kids up because I signed my uh, son Alexander up. He, he'll be uh, eight, playing as an eight-year-old this year. For eight-year-olds and nine-year-olds from 1030 to 1 that Sunday, right before the Open, there's going to be plenty of social distancing because it'll be before they open. They're going to have a lot of cool stuff. It's going to be an awesome clinic. If you know anything about next level, they have, they literally have instructors. I'm not kidding when I say they can take you to the next level and you need to check them out. Uh, very, very, it's very proud to have them as our sponsor for extra innings, which is of course our baseball podcast for, for ECU baseball, for those that are joining us for the first time. And uh, very proud to have Trent Brett, his great wife, everybody at Next Level. I saw a guy who actually had a Next Level T-shirt on and came into my work uh, a few days ago. And I talked to him. He said he pretty much lives there, uh, spending a lot of time there as a coach. But 
uh, please do that. You can call 252-756-NEXT, 252-756-NEXT, and I'm sure they'll be able to take good care of you. And uh, certainly, uh, I think it's only like 60 bucks if you're a guest uh, for that clinic. That's nothing this day and age. And uh, sign up your eight and nine-year-old boy there for baseball, and I'm sure they'll have a great time and learn a lot as uh, Trent does an excellent job. And thanks to Trent uh, very much for supporting us for the program. It means a lot to have him on as a sponsor. Yeah, no doubt. Well, I tell you what, guys, uh, we're looking uh, for a big series against Georgia Southern. We'll see how that goes. Pirates going on the road. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. Don't forget on Sunday, speaking of next level, we'll have our next broadcast, and that'll be extra innings Sunday night. So make sure you join us for that as a recap of all the games. And we'll look ahead to next week as well. We'll have Corey Glore. We'll have uh, all kinds of different uh, special things, I'm sure. Uh, appreciate, again, Next Level Training Center. Uh, for sponsoring extra innings. All right, so Kyle, thank you, brother. Appreciate you very much. Enjoy the show. Thank you to Bob Rathman, the play-by-play voice of the Atlanta Hawks. And, of course, Danny Reed, the play-by-play voice of the Georgia Southern uh, team. And, the and our team producer, Hoskins Featherbottom. <laughs> Sounds good to me. All right, guys, until next time, appreciate you watching and listening to the Sports Objective. Good night, everybody. Go Pirates.